Hey, it's Open Threads. It's my podcast. I'm Brian Castle. Welcome to it. Back on the show today is Harry Morton. He's the founder of Lower Street. They are a high-level, high-quality podcast production agency. Hey, here's my real-time-ish update for you, and I'm recording this one on May 6th, 2024. First, I just want to say that once and for all, the name of this podcast, I'm sticking with the name Open Threads. <laughs> you may have noticed I had briefly renamed it there uh, in early 2024. I was using the name Full Stack Founder. Well, long story short, I'm sunsetting that brand name and that website. It was a short-lived project that just didn't quite stick. So this podcast is back to its original name, Open Threads, from here on out. Okay, so uh, my so as for my update, uh, you know, my main focus now continues to be instrumental products. That is my product studio where I partner with clients mainly on UI and UX work, and uh, I specialize in designing modern interfaces for SaaS companies, and I deliver my designs in the form of coded HTML and Tailwind CSS templates and components. So that's the uh, the main um, service that I've been working with a couple of clients lately on, and uh, it's something that I continue to uh, to really double down on the rest of this year. Other than that, I'm spending the rest of my time building out some new software products of my own to uh, to add to my small portfolio. My main SaaS product, Clarity Flow, continues to run smoothly uh, with my small team, and we're always working on some imp- improvements there. So that's my update for now. On to the show. Harry takes us inside what it actually looks like to create amazing and what he calls noteworthy podcast content. We're not talking about your run-of-the-mill interview shows like this one. We're talking about really high production value, but most importantly, podcasts that are interesting, that have a voice and a unique story to tell. And you know, we we sort of went back and forth in this episode between Harry's experience of building this amazing agency over the last few years from just himself up to a, an agency of over 20 creative professionals working full time on it. We talked about that business story, but also literally the creative process behind piecing together just incredible stories on the podcast airwaves. And I actually picked his brain a little bit near the end there to try to understand how us small, smaller businesses who, who may not have the same dollars to invest as like these big brands do that would hire a, a lower street to see like, how could we actually piece together something a little bit different as a podcast, maybe for our brand over at Zip Message. Anyway, something to think about, something that I am actually always thinking about. Anyway, for now, let's get into this show, talk podcast and creativity with Harry Morton. Enjoy. Harry Morton, back on the show. Last time you were on, we we geeked out about music and and just making music and beats and and all that. But let's let's actually get down to business in this one. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes, sir. So you know, several close friends of mine are in the podcast industry, and you're you're one of them. Who who you know, I think of you and your work as like all things podcast. You run Lower Street, which is you know a, a fantastic podcast production company. I mean, I'll let you sort of explain it a little bit, but 
my take as the outsider looking in, and I've been you know following your work for years now. It's been really amazing to see you grow Lower Street. First of all, you've got like the podcast hosting companies and podcast software out there. Yeah. And then there's like an ocean of these freelancers who are like podcast editors, podcast show notes writers, things like that. So you, mm -hmm. there, there's no shortage of, of those people around. Right. But then there are a few companies who do podcasts at a much higher level. And I, I think of Lower Street in, in that camp of like high sure. production value, high end, just quality, interesting work. Yeah. I mean, how do you describe like what, what Lower Street is and where you guys sort of fit into the, the podcasting world? So I started at the at the absolute ground floor. I had no network, no connections, no right to start the company that I did, basically. I mean, well, it wasn't really a company. It was just me and my underwear in my bedroom. Saying we when it was very much just me. Been there for years. <laughs> yeah, we've all been there, right? So and then at that point, I, I had no... Well, as I said, I, no business experience before. I didn't really know what I was doing. And so I didn't know where to start. So really what I did was look around me and see, okay, this is a skill set I have. I know I want to do something in podcasting. You know, as we've talked in the last episode about music, like I had that audio background and that pr that production kind of ability. So I knew this is where I wanted to play, but I didn't know kind of, you know, what that was going to look like in the long term. So I just looked around to see, okay, what else is here in this ecosystem? What are the other businesses doing this kind of thing? And basically just copied them. I mean, literally, I told Craig Hewitt when I met him, at uh, first time I met him, I think it was 2016, 17, at Microconf in Portugal, I think mm. it was. And he did a talk there at the time because he just, I think he was just at the point of transitioning to kind of cast us, I think. Mm -hmm. I remember like finding him in the thing and going, hey, another podcast guy chatting to him. And I was just like, yeah, by the way, man, like I literally just saw your pricing, copied it. And here we are. Because I was like, well, he's selling it. So I guess it must be fine. And that would be my starting point. And, and really, it's just been a constant iteration since then. And what I found was over the years that, as you've rightly said, there's no shortage of people serving kind of that end of the market or that kind of lower price point i actually i don't know what castos is at today so I've, i can't comment on on what they're doing but like back then at least we were talking like you know monthly packages of a few hundred bucks kind of thing and, and what i quickly realized is that that you know it's a very quick race to the bottom and also as a creative person as someone that came from it from slightly more of an artistic kind of background like i wasn't it wasn't gratifying work to do either so i knew mm -hmm. really the only opportunity for me to make the most of the skill set that i had the understanding i had creatively and also hopefully create something that would have a bit more longevity in it and slightly more of a competitive advantage was to go up market and do kind of better and better work and when you started was it you like doing the audio work for clients it was, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it was literally, I was doing everything. I was writing show notes. I was editing audio. I was, you know, yeah, doing doing the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my, my first hires were people to write the show notes because that was my least favorite thing. And that was all freelancers and contractors. And then I was hiring audio editors. And this was around the time I actually discovered what you were doing with audience ops and kind of took your course around productizing and really educated myself on, on how to scale that kind of business. And it was probably, yeah, again, one or two years into that where I'd grown a bit of a team. And we'd started to kind of like increase our pricing slowly and gently. And then I was like, okay, no, we really need to like actually go that next level up. I'm guessing that something that, that prompted raising the prices, people hiring podcast editing services, it's, it's sort of tough because podcasts themselves don't tend to make a lot of money. Right. It's sort of difficult to justify spending on like a relatively more expensive production Arm. Yep. If if you're mm -hmm. if you're like a business and you run a podcast as part of your content marketing strategy, like 
it's hard to invest a ton of money in, on there. Or if you're doing it like I am, which is like sort of like a fun side project. Yeah, for sure. Again, it's like not a major business investment. How do you like, did, did you run into that with your client base early on? We did start to run into that. Where they didn't have like a, a high willingness to pay for that? Yeah. And the reason we ran into that is because I was where I was educating myself and the places I was hanging out in real life and in Twitter was like the microconf crowd, right? So like a lot of SaaS, a lot of online bootstrapped entrepreneurs. They're my people. But mm -hmm. what I learned very quickly is I don't want to sell to my people. I want to just mm -hmm. hang out with my people, drink beer with my people, talk business with my people, but not sell to them. Because, you know, I'm one of them myself. I love these people, but they're not always good customers because <laughs> they want to do everything themselves and figure it out and do it cheap. So, yep. and which is exactly what I want to do. So I, I don't blame them for that. So, but also that was tied into the fact that in my previous roles, when I was working, I was working on kind of corporate sales. So I was kind of like, it was, I was already in that kind of enterprisey corporate kind of language mm. was like part of my vocabulary. And I, I felt very comfortable with those conversations. And so suddenly the conversation is not around, how much are you going to charge me to edit this podcast so that I can try and get revenue for my bootstrapped agency? But instead it was, how much are you going to charge me to develop a coherent strategy for our, for the branding and audio for our large scale business? And that's a very different yeah. conversation. And so, uh, you know, I didn't, it wasn't just like an immediate jump into that. And it, it's something that's very much iterated over time. Yeah. I mean, how, how did you make that transition? Because I feel like there are so many, you know, freelancers, consultants, and even like small agencies who just they sort of just get stuck in that, like, what is it like, like a, like a mouse wheel of, yep. of, of lower level clients. And it's, it's just like a completely different game to be selling to and networking with and yep. developing solutions for like these larger organizations. Like how did you even get the first contacts of people who would be interested in buying high end podcast projects with you? Like, how did you even make that switch? So some of it was through cold email. So there were some shows that existed already. And actually, this is just changing, actually, that Apple are removing emails from RSS feeds. So you can't like scrape every podcast in existence and like oh, blanket wow. email people. But you, but back then you could. That, that was possible. Yeah, yeah. So you can, you know, if you look at the RSS feed of a podcast, it used to and probably still does on many feeds, but you can turn that off. So, you know, if you're into not getting spammed, then you might want to look into that. But yeah, the RSS feed contains the publisher's email address. And so you could kind of look at shows that you thought hey, this represents the kind of client we want to work with. It looks like they're doing some stuff, but actually there's some opportunity for them to do better in this or that area. I just did a bunch of cold email, and this was probably, again, in like 2017, 18. And that got me in the door with a couple of accounts. And that was the sort of stair step I needed to give me that validation. And so that, that meant that those people, those companies had already produced some podcast content, right. but they don't have like the right people working on it or they're looking for someone new to do something even better. Like yep. Or I just thought, Hey, this sounds shit and I can tell you how to make it less shit. And obviously put that in an email slightly, slightly more gently. <laughs> yep. And I think one of the ones that we got that was a real win was actually not a branded podcast. It was a podcast here in the UK called secret leaders and which is like an entrepreneurship interview show. And they were part of this wave. They came along before like diary of a CEO came and bulldozed the rest of the UK entrepreneurship podcasts to the ground. Mm -hmm. And they were doing really well at the time. And so I, I came on with them at like their season two and we helped them kind of produce the show, make it better. And they started to kind of get to the top of the, the charts, basically. And so that meant I could then email everybody and say, we produced the UK's number one business podcast. Mm. That was a huge, that was a huge kind of thing. It sounds like you, you stuck to cold email. 
or, or just email outreach? In I re- I, no, I didn't. That was probably a period of kind of three months where I did that. I got a few accounts okay. and some really crappy ones as well. So like it did. So it, that was enough mm-hmm. to, to make me stop. But mm-hmm. the ones that I did, I, you know, I was very lucky in one or two of those ones being like pretty, pretty helpful. The other thing that, that happened, I think, was my experience has been saying yes all the time and then being around for long enough for things to come back around. So like if someone says, can you do this? Are you able to do this? And it feels like it's somewhere in the wheelhouse of the trajectory we want to be headed in. I was just like, yeah, and very mm-hmm. confidently said yes, even though I had absolutely no effing clue how we were going to get it done. And we'd figure it out later. Mm-hmm. And so that allowed me to do certain things. And then the other thing was... And so is that like more ambitious? Like, like so people are coming to you mm-hmm. like, we want to do something bigger and better, more creative, more different. Yeah. Can you help us do that? Because meanwhile on social, I'm saying you should do that, right? So I'm saying you should do this yeah. on social. Meanwhile, like we're not actually doing it. But, I, but honestly, like this works, I imagine, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, saying it with authority. And, and so people would kind of come to us, kind of agree with that vision and would and would kind of say that they wanted to do it. And we did it. But then there were some clients who one account in particular worked with him at one company he then moved to a much larger organization in the same role and immediately brought us along with him and then that just opened us up to this massive account and that was another and then we put their logo on our website and then all of a sudden it's been yeah it's one of those you know what a a seven year overnight successes you know it's just a stair step rob walling approach you know yeah yeah (laughs) When I was running audience ops, that happened a few times where we had a really good client for like a year or two, and that person is like a head of marketing at some company. Then they leave and they go to another company, and they yep. and they like immediately recommend us over there, and that yep. that that was always like like such a nice bonus because it's like you you know you're converting a new client, a, a much better client, and it was like the easiest sales process because they just bring you right, right in, yeah. You know? But you only get that if you stick around long enough for those things to come back around. And I think yeah. that's just like a, a, I consider that to be an enormous factor. I've been so lucky, like so much of what's happened in Lower Street's progression has been just good fortune. Mm-hmm. But I also put a lot of that good fortune around to just like not giving up for yep. ages. Because <laughs> I just, yeah, huh. I think that's a big, a big thing. What, what does the team look like today? How is it made up? So we are onboarding our 19th employee tomorrow. Oh, wow. And we're all full-time. So I kind of moved away from the contractor setup some time ago when I when I just decided that we I wanted that consistency, that buy-in, that culture that we wanted to try and create. So we, we moved away from the contractor thing into full-time employees. 19 of us now, but we should be 22 actually by January. Like it's been kind of an insane amazing uh, kind of court year basically yeah so what are like the the main roles across the team so the main role as we move again as we kind of have moved from just being like we'll edit your podcast into we're going to develop a show we're going to write it and script it and all that kind of stuff we moved away from kind of audio editors and more to producers and so those Mm -hmm. folks might be from public radio they might be from kind of journalism backgrounds but that that's the bulk of our workforce is the folks that are like writing and scripting. We obviously have audio folks as well. So we have a team of now three. We just hired another uh, audio engineer and they're doing like cutting tape, sound design, mixing, all that kind of good stuff. And then in the production team, we've got producers who are producing. Then we have executive producers that kind of oversee those producers, but also manage their own shows. And now we've just included, I mean, I'm giving you the full thing, but like a production manager who oversees that whole department and make sure that everybody's like following set procedures and stuff, because that's what we found is like, despite me watching every one of your videos, Brian, I'm the, just the worst at process, like, cause you're the process <laughs> guy. And I'm like, I gotta be more like Brian, but I can't do that stuff. 
Hey, real quick. This podcast is sponsored by Instrumental Products. That's my product studio where I and my small crew, we take new product ideas from concept to launched. I'm a full stack product designer and developer, and I love collaborating with fellow founders, creators, and SaaS companies to bring that spark of energy into new product ideas. Think of instrumental products as your shortcut to shipping that next idea and getting it into the hands of your customers as efficiently as possible. Got something to ship? Let's talk. Visit instrumentalproducts.com to learn more. It's funny. I want to ask you about process in a, in a second, but yeah. when it comes to producing like a high end mm-hmm. uh, quality podcast, but I, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. So, sure. so when a client comes to you, correct me if I'm wrong, is it like completely different in every different client's case or like would a client come to you and say, we want to do a big new season and like, do they come to you with the concept? Like we have this idea for a podcast. We want lower street to make it happen. Or yep. does the client come to you and say, we know we need to invest in our brand and be out there. Lower mm-hmm. Street, can you come up with ideas for us? Like, how does that work? So we're doing a bit of both. So at the, at the let's say the lower end of the folks that we serve, they come to us and they go, we want to produce a podcast. And to them, a podcast is two talking interview style show, right? Mm-hmm. And so my job is then to educate them on, here's what that could be. And here's why that's awesome. And then coming up with ideas of how we frame that and package that in the right way. But when we're doing the bigger kind of more <clears throat> interesting or kind of more, oh, what's not interesting, the more kind of creative different formats that we're creating. Like, for example, we're working on a podcast with a client about climate change for COP27. And instead of wanting to make that show about, this sounds like I'm pitching my business. That's not what I'm here to do. But, but anyway, I'm just No, please. I was actually going to ask you for, for examples. Like what, okay. what is, like when we say like high-end, more creative podcast like what what is that yeah so they want to make a a climate change podcast they're a big global brand so it's important for them to stand out so the targets at cop 27 are all about 2050 so they they came to us and so to answer your question before they came to us with this concept and we're making it happen i want us to get more involved in going to companies and proactively pitching creative ideas but this in one in particular came to us they said we want to we want to set this podcast in 2050 and it's like how oh, we got cool. it's how we got here so it's fictionalized so we've got like actors that are playing like people on the ground and it's around climate change so one of them's the, the episode that's out right now is all about like wind farm islands that they're creating in denmark like off wow. the sea in denmark I want to listen and to so that. there's like an engineer on the ground on one of these wind farms that doesn't exist right now and so that's kind of been really super fun so this client comes to you and says we have this basic concept of we want to have a show that that is in the future in 2050 yep go exactly and then we have to figure out all the gaps so yeah. you guys like source all the actors and, all, and yeah, everything so we're like... sourcing the actors we're figuring out how do we interview modern current day professors who are leading on these technologies and feature them in that podcast in a way that is makes sense for that hmm. you know we're setting it in 2050 but we're talking to an expert in 2022 so like how does that work so they're like playing themselves in the future or we're like recording like here's some material from back in 2022 kind of thing so it's like the job of a producer to get in the weeds and search for professors who happen to know about this and we can interview them and is that what yep. a producer essentially does exactly yeah yeah exactly so they're finding all the contributors doing all the research on the content writing the scripts and because it's fictionalized that means we're writing more or less every word like there's obviously some interview mm-hmm. material there but like a good probably 60 percent of the material in those episodes is like stuff that we've literally written this is actually the the process thing i wanted to ask about i was just asking someone else about this at a conference i was at 
I like I would love to to launch a new podcast as as like a brand project from from my team at, at Zip Message, right? Yep. And I would like to do something that's a little bit better and different than just a typical interview show mm -hmm. because the interview shows are what, the the only super basic thing that I know how to do, right? Um from yep. from a process standpoint. I know how to invite guests, get it edited, published, all that. I would like this show to be something that I don't have to be on the mic. Like maybe my, my marketing person, Claire can, can run with this yeah, um, or, or someone can, I've seen it sort of work both ways, right? Like th there's one approach where a journalist type of person or a producer goes out and interviews, maybe a couple different people and gets a lot of footage mm -hmm. in, in a general subject matter direction, but we don't know what's going to be the most interesting. We're going to get mm -hmm. hours of, of recorded footage and then pull pieces out of that and, and turn it into a narrative style set of episodes. Like right. there's that, which seems like a lot of work um, yep. and a lot of like guessing and- Right, a lot of luck. You gotta hope that you get good stuff, yep. Yeah, the, the other approach would be the opposite way. And, and this is how I'm thinking about it is like, if, I, if, if someone on my team is a fantastic writer and storyteller, have mm -hmm. them write an episode first and do their yep. own research, just like they're writing an article or writing yep. an ebook or something like that and figure out along the way, like, all right, if we're in this section, we're going to need some quotes from these experts. So I know mm -hmm. we have an, an intro section about climate change. Let's find a climate change expert to, to just right. ask them two or three questions, record it, get their voice in, incorporated into the episode and like piece it together that way. Yeah. And the benefit of that as well is that you're then leading the narrative. You're, you're telling the story. Like you're not just going to get Rand Fishkin out and like have Rand talk about clever shit. And then you kind of go, Hey, look, it's brought to you by us. So I guess we're clever too. It's like, no, mm -hmm. this is, these are our, these are our thoughts. And by the way, here are some quotes to pull, to back that up from some interesting people. Yeah. Is that how, how you guys generally do it? Like you have someone write the episode and then seek out the people and the quotes to. Yeah. I mean, it really, it super depends. Like some, some, inter some shows we do are still interview based and our job is to plan the interview so that there's a good narrative there and then write scripts to kind of link it all together to tell more of a story but around what is effectively a one-on-one -on -one interview and so the best to give that some context like the best example of that is how i built this it's, it's just guy raz mm -hmm. talking to one other person but they tell stories around that between the segments of interview to make it more nuanced and interesting mm -hmm. so that's a lot of what we do but then we also do a lot of these documentary style ones where we do the process exactly as you've said the other thing i want to pick up on is that we have worked with a client that did like they basically recorded everything for the last two years of them trying to raise venture money. Mm. Every interview they've done, every conversation, every like, I'm waking up at 3 a.m. and I'm going to record myself into my voice memos. Yeah, like the reality show style. Exactly. Of. They basically wanted to make Gimlet startup, but mm -hmm. not. And we went through literally <laughs> I've thousands done that of hours. Myself a couple of, like, I literally have a couple of Dropbox folders where I was going through, like, I recorded like maybe five or six private episodes of when I was started to sell a business and I never released it. I, I thought that I would like piece it together like a documentary style thing. Yeah, I, I would encourage you to consider that again because it's it's really good. I mean, I burned out like I, I got like, so I, I was selling audience ops and I, th I think I started recording episodes like that for the first like two or three weeks of it. And, yep. and I kept up with it and then I just got so burned out that and then yep. it dropped off. So. That show I will name drop though. It's called Unicorn Launcher by a company called Vigo. And it is really, really good. And I'm not, that's not bragging about our work. It's just, they've told a really cool story and they've been very open about it. And that leads me to say something that I think I'm really, I'm really passionate about at the moment. And what I want to talk about a lot in general, 
about content is is this idea of being noteworthy like i'm really interested mm-hmm. like we can't just make more noise there's plenty of noise and we have to make stuff that is genuinely valuable and so i think that that extra effort recording all that stuff that you've recorded about your exit is is noteworthy that is different like people aren't doing that work and yeah. and i think i think that's really huge dude you're you're exactly right we were talking offline uh, just earlier today about like, why, why do I do this show or why, why yep. should anyone invest in a, in a podcast? I think this idea is starting to, to make the rounds now that like, look, it's not an audience builder, but I, I feel like you, you touched on it. Like the best possible outcome of having a podcast out there in the world, I think is people recommending it to other people. Right. Um, because it's so interesting and so different and unique, you know, um, exactly. You know, you, you can't, it's, it's not like producing blog content, which will get, just get found in in search engines and stuff like that. It it has to be talked about and the way to, for it to be talked about is for it to be unique and high quality, uh, like production value. High quality is kind of table stakes. Yeah. That's table stakes. Like it has to, you have to have amazing story in there, Yep. you know? I completely agree. And so that makes what makes me want to come back to what you're thinking about with this show that may be producing with, with Claire on your team. Like, I think it'd be really interesting. There was a, a, a brand and I can't remember what they're called. They're like something star. And it's basically a piece of tech in your car that if you get in an accident, you press this button and someone comes to help you. I forget. I can't believe. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, OnStar. OnStar. Sorry. OnStar. Yeah. So they they created a podcast that was all about strangers doing acts of kindness. So basically like, okay, what are we about on star? We're about like, we're, we're about helping you in that moment of need when you never thought you'd ever need to need that moment of need. And, and so they tell stories of, of kind of people that help complete strangers in these moments. Cause that's effectively what on star is about doing. And th- these amazing, wonderful stories came out about, you know, people giving kidneys to complete strangers and then them meeting up years later and, you know, this kind of stuff. And so, I wonder what the the async cuz async is just like a thing that's just like yeah it's coming to be now and I wonder what the stories are like what are those what are those like between Well I'm, I'm going to start to get some free consulting out of you while while we're recording. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so like we're we're starting to focus on coaches as as yep. the the best customer the best user of of ZipMessage. They're using it for for async communication with their clients. We we just launched this thing called Coach Club which is a community for for coaches a newsletter for coaches. We have that going now. And the next piece of, of that whole brand strategy would be like a, a coach club podcast. Maybe we, we would call it something better than that, but like, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know what, what it would be. I don't know what the topic would be, but it, but it needs to be interesting and noteworthy for right. professional coaches. Right. And I think what's interesting and noteworthy about all stories is like personal human stories, right? So the reason yeah. I brought the OnStar thing up is that they are like deeply human stories and we just can't help but care about them and listen to them. And so I would say that like, yeah, I just wonder what stories there are that can only happen asynchronously between two people. Uh, that's, that's something that's unique from the way that you would interact with a coach one-on-one in, in, a, in the same room as, as each other. Yeah, I, I bet there's some amazing of your users. They've got some amazing client stories and like seeking those out and yeah, and like client transformations. Like yeah, I don't know. Like getting back to the process thing and getting back to yeah. what you were saying about like you know bootstrappers who try to do this <laughs> che- yeah. you know, cheaply. Like like I yeah. where my mind goes is like this is a thing that I think is worth investing in. Like I would like a podcast to exist from our like brand arm of what we're doing on the on the marketing stuff. 
I know we can't afford Lower Street to, to, to do it. So that's where I start to try to piece together in my mind, like, how could we do something like this? So like, you know, Claire on my team, we also have Aaliyah on my team and Aaliyah is listening to this because she's actually editing this podcast. Um, so, and she's been doing an amazing job doing it. So we've got these awesome, creative, talented people, and we do have some really great coaches who are now participating in, in coach club, a lot of great users of, of zip message. I wonder if someone like Claire can, and she's an amazing writer and storyteller. So she could write an episode, a, a narrative of, of like a focus, a topic, literally the script she, she could write, she could even record it. And then maybe even using zip message, we can go out and say like, all right, to support the story, we need quotes or voices from two or three coaches who've experienced this or that. Mm -hmm. Claire can send a zip message to those people, ask them the question, get them to record their response. We take that footage, Aaliyah edits it all together in, into a really great show and we package it up and we become the next NPR or- <laughs> Totally. You know. No, I love it. I think that's, I think that's great. The challenge of course, is if, if Claire's doing it, like she's got a ton of it, like it's, it's a lot of work. And so mm -hmm. carving out the time for her to do that. But I think, yeah, I, I think there's, there's, there's definitely something. And, you know, again, as a SaaS product, you've got so many users and they're all creating content as they're using your, your product. Yeah. Uh, it feels like there's just like a wealth of material out there that you could tap into in one way or another. Yeah. And um, I mean, not to, not to like promote zip message, which of course I am, but like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, I, it does seem like a good tool for asynchronously just gathering quotes yeah, to support sure. a narrative for a specific episode without having to go through the time of sitting down for an hour, two hour recording, and then the time of like sifting through all that material and just editing it out. Like instead just using zip messages, like just, just get a 30 second quote from this one person and we'll use that, you know? Right. Um, totally. It's interesting. Love it. So I think you are right. Like, are you producing your own stuff, like your own podcast and, and things like that? We, we have in the past produced a couple of shows and that's kind of basically been on the back burner because we've been it's classic cobbler's shoes problem we're just like constantly busy doing client work and then it takes away from the stuff that's that's our own but we've just made some key hires on the team from my perspective and that's freeing up much more of my time or at least i hope so and so my goal for next year is definitely to get on the content side of things and be much more active on linkedin and twitter but also start producing some some shows so i'm excited to kind of i'm, I'm sure you've thought of this but like as a follower of, of your work i think it would be super interesting to hear sort of what you were just describing about the whole process of what goes into creating a high level high quality high creative podcast because like i i've really been interested in this idea of you know, SaaS companies as as media companies, media brands. I've been fascinated with what companies like like Wistia have have been doing with like their whole range of different shows that they produce. Right, Profit Well doing the same thing. Profit Well and like all these like Help Scout is getting into it. Uh, Mailchimp mm -hmm. has done some interesting stuff. A lot of that's like video based, but you know, it it's like I still don't have a concept in my mind of like how does that stuff actually get created and like executed, you know? Um, right. Yeah. So I, I feel like you, you and, and lower street would be perfect to like educate the world and show the world like how that stuff actually comes together, you know? Yeah. Maybe I should do that. I've always been reluctant to, cause there's just so many podcasts about podcasting and I just didn't want to add more to the pile, you know? So I've always been reluctant to do that, but yeah, maybe that's something I've got to get over and just, uh, yep. just start doing it. Yeah. We'll see. 
Well, Harry, this has been really fun to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. We'll have to get you to come back on here. We'll, I'd love to. It's been a, a lot of fun. We'll find something else to geek out about. Yeah, for sure. I'll uh, <laughs> gladly talk about business and music any day. So, yeah, it's been been a pleasure. Good stuff. All right. And, of course, folks can follow along at Lower Street. We'll get everything uh, linked up in the show notes. All right. Thanks, Harry. Sweet. Cheers, mate. That does it for today's episode of Open Threads. What'd you think? Let me know on Twitter, or X. I'm at CastJam. And you can find the full videos for all episodes of Open Threads on the YouTube channel for this podcast. That's youtube.com slash openthreads. One more thing. I'd really appreciate if you'd give this podcast a five-star review on iTunes. That helps a lot. Thanks for listening. I'll see you on the next one. Thank you.